in, in their work hours. Uh, that was always the plan. All they had to do at the top was make it seem almost natural. And that's the key to it. When we float through and watch the changes that come our way, we think they're natural developments from the last phase to the next phase to the next phase. But that's called predictive programming at the top. And fiction is the main method used to make it exciting and to make us think that way. Check into the Tavistock Institutes in London for this technique and how it's used. I'll be back after these following messages. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Hi folks, Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. And just before the break there I was talking about how they're not going to enhance humanity. The term enhancement was first used in the Star Trek series. That was to get us familiarized with the whole idea of genetic tampering and improvement, of course. It's all done in the name of improvement. And they gave you on the space station, the last of the series I think they had in the Star Trek, they all lived in the space station. The doctor was the only genetically enhanced person on ship. And he was the most intelligent, of course, the, the brightest character who figured all the problems and solved them so well. And that's how they get you hooked on the idea of improvement and giving themselves really the authority to do so. And that's what it's all about in the end. You must take the bait, go for it, only to find out a whole bunch of rules spring up as time passes until it's mandatory that this be done. So they can get rid of all the defective people, you know, everyone with allergies and asthma and all those ones deemed, you know, not good workers. They have time off work due to medical problems. They're not good producers. And that's really what it's all about. We were supposed to walk in, as always, when they put out their hand to help us with the Red Cross stuck in front of them, the old Templar badge. And that's why the, that's why the Red Cross, by the way, can cross battlefields and get away with it as a high Masonic organization that now has the backing of the United Nations to handle all the cash from charities. High Masonic. But anyway, we always fall for the same mousetrap because we're all terrified of sickness and death and all the rest of it. And so this kind of approach works so well with humans. But the, the real intent, as I say, is to give themselves authority after a generation has passed away and it becomes not a service anymore, but an actual authority. It will guide your life. They'll have rules and regulations backed up by governmental laws so that you can't simply pick a mate and breed an offspring. It has to be altered and tampered. And they will decide what are defective genes. 
they'll also go into the history and the genealogies of both potential parents and to see if there's any particular personality types they don't like. And they'll simply remove those genes and replace them with ones they do like, people who are more politically correct. This can be done now because the stuff we get in the regular media regarding science is always obsolete. There are three levels of science coexisting at any time on any one particular area. And what we see in the papers is the bottom level, who do research. They search all over again, the searching having been done before by the guys above them. Same with Dolly the sheep. A dolly is a carrier, according to the Masonic tradition, a carrier of specific genes, so they called it Dolly the sheep. A representative of the public, by the way, the sheep, the sheeple. And they, they told us at the bottom level, of course, that Dolly has all these problems and bronchial problems and prone to, prone to uh, bronchitis, etc. But at the top level, where the searching was already done long beforehand, that was all cleared up. They even have genetic tampering or enhancement in India, of all places, for some of the wealthiest people in the world. And they've had that there for over... 12 years. They are removing certain genes. They are ordering a certain type of child, a certain type of height, color of eyes, etc. That's already happening, folks. And that's all very well for those wealthy elites. They can decide what they want. For the masses, when they go into this, you'll find is to alter you to be better servants. Remade, reshaping humanity, or as they say in the high Masonic tradition, perfecting all that was left imperfect in nature, meaning all of us, you see. Under their Darwinian-type theories, most people have junk genes. We are the junk, you see. If we weren't the junk genes, we'd be at the top. We were the prime genes. And uh, all those who haven't made it to the top through cunning and aggression and applied aggression with cunning, craftily, if you haven't made it that way, then you're a failure, and therefore your genes are a failure, the junk genes, because they believe that evolution has taken its course, and all those top families that have held on to wealth and power over the last couple of hundred years are the only ones worthy of maintaining it for the next few thousand years. The rest have all to be altered and perfected to serve an efficient world government in a very efficient manner. That's where it's all leading us to. And they must make it exciting through science fiction and movies and, and, and give you the, the big lie that it's going to help you. And the children actually want to have all these superpowers and muscles that the steroid men have presented over the years, starting with the Hulk and then Schwarzenegger. Stuff that, muscles that you can't build by pure exercise and, and good diets. It's all to do with artificial enhancement. And artificial is the key. Once you swallow that, it's much easier for them to push the next step and get you to want them. In fact, they want to want the drugs, to want the hormonal treatments. Rebuilding man through science, you see, that's what it's all about. And when you think about it, the pharmacological industry is based on all of this. They've been tampering with their hormones since birth because... Charles Galton Darwin in the next million years said they'd have to target the hormones in both males and females 
to reduce the world's population in his book, Next Million Years, written in the 1950s. And he wasn't a simple little guy off the street. He was a descendant of Charles Darwin, and he himself was a, a physicist, a nuclear physicist, I believe, in Britain, belonging to very old and wealthy families. He spoke on behalf of those families. And they don't make wish lists, they, they draw plans, and they, they make it happen. And that's why the sperm count is announced very casually every year with all the different statistics that's churned out by the United Nations. The sperm count in average male in the West is down by 75% of what it was in 1950s level. And they don't mention crisis, which it would be if it was unplanned. It's not mentioned because it was planned. That's the obvious answer. We also find the rates of cancers uh, skyrocketing because of all the stuff that's been inoculated into you. The polio vaccine had so many cancer-causing viruses in it uh, that it surprised. In a real world, they've been banned, you see, at the beginning before it even started. But this is not a real world. This is a manufactured world. It's a manufactured reality. And the intent was to bring us all down gradually. Places like Africa were to be hit fast and heavily because no one would speak up for them dying off. But the West was to be disabled gradually. People who are very sick with Epstein-Barr virus or all the other names that they call chronic fatigue, etc., become ineligible for good marriage partners, good mates, and therefore it helps them not to breed. This was all discussed at meetings long ago on how to bring down the West. And if you think I'm kidding, look into the big scam, the United Nations, you know, our wonderful benefactor that only cares about children and UNESCO and so on. Look at all the free vaccines they gave out to people in India and Africa under the, the, the claim that it was for tetanus, it would prevent tetanus, but for women only, only for women. And millions of women ended up being sterilized because that was its function because they tacked on a particular little bacterium that was cultured in laboratories that piggybacked on hormones straight to the ovaries and caused massive fibrosis and basically sterilized the women. This is admitted to. Why would you ever trust them on anything? And if you do, shame on you. Shame on you. We are run by many, many fronts in this world. There are thousands of fronts, in fact, all pretending to be something or to be there to do something for you. But they're fronting for one single system. And it's a totalitarian system in its makeup. It decides on how much freedom you will have. And really, you think you're free until you try to wake up and cross certain lines. You'll find people arriving on your doorstep you never knew existed before. You're only free when you're under the illusions of freedom, when you believe the propaganda. How free are you when you get sick or you lose your job and the bailiff comes knocking at your door to take your house away? And wherever you go from there, the street or elsewhere, is your problem. The children's aid, of course, will come in to take the children away from you. You don't want children and orphans walking around the streets. That would look bad. We may catch on. So they have organizations there which have ulterior purposes than the ones 
you're trained to believe they have. Pretty well everything in the system is a great big illusion because all these organizations are there to serve one purpose and that's to create more illusions so that you believe in it. Back in the, the late 70s and early 80s, across the U.S. and Canada simultaneously, psychiatric hospitals just closed down. The funding was suddenly stopped through governmental action. And thousands and thousands of people were thrown off into the streets, where many of them died in the colder climates like Canada. And no one really cared. I'll be back after the following messages. That the days are loaded Everybody rolls With their fingers crossed Everybody knows The war is over Everybody knows The good guys lost Everybody knows The fight was fixed The poor stay poor The rich get rich That's how it goes Hi folks, Alan Watt here with Cutting Through the Matrix, just talking about some of the illusions that are pulled over our eyes, and how we're taught to accept the world as it's presented to us from a very early age. The trick, of course, of naming an animal or beast or a creature is put into the old rule book, the Old Testament. That's what it means where Adam was allowed to name the creatures because, you see, in the ancient Middle East, if you had the name of a creature, you controlled the creature. Same with a god, a deity, or a genie. Same idea. And therefore, we're all given given names. And you'll find that in all official forms that you're given. They ask for your given name. They'll ask for that in the court system as well. What is your given name? Even though if you read on in that book, only you and your deity knows your real name. In other words, it's up for you to choose it, because if you give it away to others, they have power over you. You're now a corporate entity, and they speak your name and they own you. It all goes back to the ancient, ancient times of the, of the Middle East. Still used today, and it's the greatest con ever, ever committed. Because technically, you can call yourself whatever you want to be called, and why not if you're a sovereign entity? I've been called lots of things in my life, and I don't mind any of them. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to what I'm talking about, most folk literally accept the world as it's presented to them. They don't question the power structures around them, even in their local areas. They go through the changes, world changes, without really questioning at all, in fact. Just like China being the mass producer for the planet, using the same factories, the same corporations that used to be based in your countries. Corporations that you have built up because they all got bailouts every so often from your tax money, you see. Did you know that under the GATT Treaty that sent them all off to China, you, the taxpayer of North America, guaranteed not only the paying for the shipment of those factories over and the building of factories in China for those corporations, but you also guaranteed that you'd pay all losses until they got up and producing and making a profit. 
wasn't that nice of you. I'm sure your local politician consulted you on that. See, that's what we're here for. We are economic units. We are the mass man. We are in the age of totality, total war, total economy, total everything. They don't tolerate you as an individual. You have a purpose, and that's to serve the world state. Go into the writings of Cecil Rhodes, who was a frontman sent out from Oxford University, where this big scheme, the, the last part of this scheme, was hatched. And Dean Ruskin, his mentor, who, who talked about world governments and how Britain would initially spearhead the project to bring the world together under free trade, simply reiterating what John Dee had said centuries before him in London. And Cecil Rhodes' job, his part of the job, was to go off to mainly Africa and claim all the diamonds and golds and so on for his masters, the world's resources. That's what they were after. But it didn't stop at Rhodes. The United States had their own boys doing the same thing because it all belonged to the same club. And it was understood, you see, by Cecil Rhodes and many of the other coterie around him, that eventually Britain would have to give the power over or pass the torch, as they called it themselves, to the United States because they'd have more manpower and a bigger tax base to fight all the wars they'd have to go through to bring a global system together, especially the global system which they had planned. Dean Ruskin was given a high chair at Oxford University, and as I say, he was the mentor, not only for Rhodes, but for other ones too. The whole Lord Milner campaign, the Round Table Society that merged with the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, it became the nucleus for the United Nations, but prior to that it became the nucleus for the League of Nations during World War I. That's what it's all about, long-term planning. And we little guys at the bottom, you see, were taught to be impatient, to, to want things quickly. Therefore, we, we can imagine people working centuries ahead. It's just like when they brought people into the Americas, and they knew, the big bankers knew, and the government, they knew that you would clear the land, you would do all the hard work, you'd create real estate out of, out of basically hard, heavy bush and swamps and so on. And they knew that two or three generations down the road, when you'd created all this, they could take it from you through government legislation, taxation, etc. That's how it works. That's how it works. And they knew at the top they could pass all of that on to their grandchildren after they'd taken it all off you again. They wrote about this in the 1800s. They wrote about this in the 1900s. And they're still writing about it today in books which gather dust in the libraries and no one wants to read. It's not thrilling. They're not terribly sexy. And there's not much real violence except for a few wars here and there. But back after these following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers. 
and you become one big team. And that's how everything is done. Everything works in tandem, bringing us all to the same ending. Nothing happens by chance in this system. They created the New Age movement to get everybody thinking as one. We're all one. We are the world. We are the children, sung by adults. Well, if adults want to be children, you'll be treated like children. And that's the message behind that one. So John Edwards is on the picture. You see his photograph there, talking to a bunch of people, trying to do his swinging little satanic sign, his Masonic sign to the crowd with the two horns, and being very, very trendy in doing so, and wearing jeans too, so it's mainly a student audience he's, he's obviously preaching to. These guys are chameleons, they dress for the occasion, and they please the particular mob they're addressing by trying to look like them and even use their languaging. They have specialists for their speeches that concentrate on students and their trendy words. They have other script writers who write their scripts for those they meet at the Hilton Hotel. That's how it's done. Chameleons, actors, really. And if you go into the history of psychopathy, you'll find that under Henderson and Gillespie's textbooks from the 70s, the studies they've done on psychopathy show, and they actually classified them as such, that actors and politicians came under a particular degree of psychopathy. They both had attention-seeking personalities and could not handle frustration, very intolerant, little prima donnas, they couldn't get their way, but they were very good actors. You should check into it and you'll find out why people gravitate towards certain positions. There's always a reason, always a reason, whether it's police or anything else, there's a reason people go to those particular kinds of jobs. And as I say, Mark Bard, the reporter, who puts out his own website, this one, parallelnormal.com, is taking a risk by doing so, I'm sure, as anyone else will have to come out and, and try to tell the public what is actually happening. It's not so much trying to tell the public, it's trying to stimulate them to think and understand what they're reading and, and give some kind of concern because, you see, if you're not in charge of your life, if you're not participating in destiny, then someone else will create it for you. That's how it's run for the bulk of the populace. And it's not just you who are concerned. It's your children, too. It's for those to come. It's for those who are young at the moment, who are growing up into this rapidly changing, planned society. Even the music they're going to hear in 10 years is already planned. I can guarantee you that. Even the dancing and the styles and fashions and so on is already planned. It was the same in the past. You always suit those particular industries for the culture you want to create. Read the ancient Greek authors, the philosophers. They wrote about it then, in their day, and nothing has really changed. It's just more of it today. Every tyrant in history is, would salivate at the thought of the ability to have entire, an entire continent watching and hearing the same news at the same time by television. 
be the same propaganda daily. We are downloaded daily with our programming, our reality. And it used to take incredible propaganda and footwork and people going to doors and making speeches in the streets to, to get, they could get anywhere near that. But we're all getting the same downloading per day by the regular established media, the ones who come between the elite and peddle their wares down to us at the bottom. That's why they are the media. They're in the middle. We live by statistics in this world as well. Everything comes down to statistics. The future, we're told, depends on statistics. And they feed the statistics of all your kinds of likes and dislikes and human behavior and preferences and all the rest of it in the computers. And let the computers decide what to do with it, where we would go with it. And they help to let the computer make the decision. And that's why when you give everything to a computer that is not a human, you see, to make decisions for you, you end up with dysfunction all around you. And yet the ones at the top will try and make it work no matter how ludicrous it becomes. We saw that with the trends they used in the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, to say never ever, was meant to free the ordinary person, the working person. It collectivized the ordinary person and annihilated individualism. You can't be part of or completely submerged in the collective and be an individual at the same time. Because the mob mentality will not allow it. If you look different, dress differently, use different slogans or no slogans at all, they will turn on you. That's how the tribalism basically works. And the ones at the top are experts with archives of history on culture creation. And they know how tribalism works. They can, they can pull anything out of the hat and make it work again. Plato said in his day that anything that humans had been made to do in the past by the dominant minority, the guardian class, could be brought back again at any time if you followed the right formula of introduction. And that is so true. So true. Unfortunately, so true. When you think of music, music itself... If the human brain hasn't changed by itself, then the child of today should be just as fascinated as a teenager in the time of Strauss or Mozart or someone else. But they're not. They're only brought in to accept the music that's put directly to them. They make them think that they're special, and this is their generation's music, written by old people who are professionals on the whole. But they never clue into this, and, and it doesn't matter what they make of music, the people will accept it if there's enough propaganda pushed into them at a specific age, and all the other children go along with it. The person who doesn't actually like it would never dare say so. They adopt it subconsciously and act it out subconsciously. As I say, it won't be too long before you find what we already have, uh, the old rockers going into homes with dementia and they play music for from the old, from the 60s and 70s for them one day you'll see people going in there and trying to dance to rap music and that's their generation this has been brainwashed into them just today on the way out of town 
I stopped to pick up a coffee and uh, a car was bouncing along beside me with massive speakers in it and the boom, boom, booming was heard miles away and the guy sitting in the driver's seat hyped as could be and the stuff that was playing was just utter gibberish but he didn't know that because he thought it was meant for his age group and so he's trendy being part of his age group he's being part of the mass he's not being an individual but if you asked him what he was doing he, he would tell you that he's being individualistic that's the wrong age for individualism it doesn't happen that way adolescents and teenagers want to conform and the ones at the top know that and as they're seeking their identity they always give you one that's why you all end up doing the same thing looking the same way dressing the same way and behaving the same way the little terms that you come out with come from dramas that are put on television for you, like the grassy high and so on. That's how you introduce neologisms, new words, and new phrases into the language. You adopt it very quickly by mimicry, as Charles Galton Darwin says. And that is a trick to submerge the individual, is by overloading them with lots of new words and phrases, which they'd adopt and they mimic, they mimic the behavior. There is nothing new under the sun in all of this. It's just that this, what it, this stuff I'm telling you about is not taught at school. It's not taught at school because school was not set up to teach you how to think and how to see or hear. School was set up as a standardized system to standardize people into a particular reality for a particular purpose. And that was to be a good producer and taxpayer who would obey all laws that were given to you. Read the speeches of Webster. He was a master orator of the U.S. And there you'll find him talking about the school system that they were setting up in the 1800s. He will tell you that it was being done to ensure that they would create a system of well-behaved, ordered, obedient people. That's what the education system was being set up for. And it wasn't any different than anywhere else in Europe. They all did it the same way. And particular people went around all the schools internationally to make sure they were set up that way. They were paid by the big bankers who already ran all those countries. And economists know that they must standardize everything, especially behavior of people in order to collect all their debts down the road. That's the world we live in. It's a world inside the matrix. Most people allegorically are shown they're still in that case where they're fed with tubes and so on and they're dreaming it all. They're dreaming they're at work. They're dreaming they're doing this or that. That's what it was symbolized. That you're really a battery a battery that gives off energy that is then used by the system. All allegorical form of a reality. That's what we are. We are work units, producers and consumers. We have a sham in society of how we care about the unfortunate people who are sick or crippled or elderly even. And you can tell how a caring society really cares by the standard of living in which they live. And at the bottom, it's utterly monstrous. 
They're only of value when you're producing and consuming and paying taxes. That's your purpose in the system. And if you don't do any of that, you'll see how quickly the system will come down on you like a huge hammer. And you'll be a non-person with no rights whatsoever. No rights to anything. They will bring in euthanasia, as you saw in the movie Soil and Green, when you hit a certain age, and they can condition the people that that will be normal to do so, to walk into a clinic at a certain age and say, yeah, I've had a good life, I've lived a long life, it's time to go and make room. That can be persuaded into people through repetitive propaganda by the right sources and also by educating the children. Look into the book Toward a New Civilization by Mikhail Gorbachev where he, in that book, tells you that he is an atheist. In the next chapter, he tells you that he and others are creating a new religion for the world based on earth worship. And it must be so because everyone will serve the planet, you see. The one thing he doesn't tell you is, well, who will be the masters that you serve because there must be efficiency in a hierarchy. He doesn't deny that, of course. He just doesn't mention it. The hierarchy already exists, and it's the same offspring of the same ones who've ran the world for a long, long, long time. We live in a fool's paradise of gluttony and thrills and fast thrills and very short memories, memories which are becoming shorter all the time. And it's farcical to see all the sides that pretend they're working for you and opposing all of this and even trying to bring back Marxism. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Hi, folks. Everybody knows. I want to walk back with Connected kind of Matrix. Sorry about the last break. I didn't hear any music coming. And that's what happens when you're live, but that's that's just the way it is. At least we are live and we're not repeating or, or miming here. And I was just saying before the break that that Marxism cannot be revived, even by those who pretend and who are paid to do so, because today you have a superabundance of cheap goods, whereas even youngsters who are unemployed can get a hold of them. And that's intentional for a short time. So even Marxism, as I say, has lost any appeal that it, that, and it could never be revived. So why support those groups? I think we have Robbie in Missouri on the line. Are you there, Robbie? Uh, yes, I am, Alan. Yeah. Go I ahead. must be out of step with the uh, transmission. Yeah. Okay. I, I shut it off so I can concentrate. I, uh, I really appreciate talking to you. Uh, I would say to anybody that's listening, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed your books, uh-huh. and I think uh, reading them, uh, I've read them several times, and I'm getting something more each time I go through it. Yep. It is a deprogramming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes. I, I, I hope it takes a little while. Um, Missouri mules are kind of slow, so. Uh, that's what I'm experiencing. Yeah, it, it kicks you in each time you read them into a higher understanding, then a higher understanding, until your mind hopefully starts working as it should be. Yeah. Okay. Um, could you address um, 
the a little bit about our creator mm-hmm. and my personal belief at this point was from a Christian background and I'm an ex-Mason and um, I fully appreciate that satanic idea as an explanation for this web mm-hmm. that we're enmeshed in now that um, uh, this uh, John Daniels I, I think you know from uh, Scarlet and the Beast mm-hmm. uh, he made the argument in his book that the first secret society was created in the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. which is a couple of different metaphors but yep. uh, I can appreciate it going back that far being that intricately webbed into everything yep. and then uh, I'd also uh, just real quick congratulate you on the psychopathocracy insight that you're developing. Yeah. Um, uh, the Barnes Review just had an article on psychopathy and history, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's just it's catching on. Paradigm shift. Yeah. Uh, the great leaders, aggressive leaders, uh, all of these descriptions you read of people when you. When you say that's uh, antisocial, mm-hmm. psychopath in operation. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll get off. Uh, okay. And listen, I, I really appreciate it, Alan. Okay. Yeah, as far as creature goes, you see, belief is really an unverifiable experience, or uh, that's why it's called a belief. However, remember that the rule book is given to you in every religion, it's the same rule book. That the kingdom of heaven is in you, and so is the kingdom of hell. And which one will you choose really is the big decision because you can manifest either in your life and around you. That's what it means. That's what it really means. Okay. But that's about it for today. We're up against the time. The clock is running out here. And I'll be back again on Monday with Cutting Through the Matrix. For Hamish and myself, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>